Thank you very much. Would you please thank Vincent for uh, leading us in worship and the team. We, we can do that a little louder, I think. I mean, I'd rather we do that. Partly because, if you don't know, uh, Vince, from the end of this month, from next Sunday, will be on a three-month season of sabbatical. And what that means is a time of refreshing, a time of learning, a time of growing. We're sponsoring him to go to Israel, to write some songs, and to come back ready for the next 10 years. That's because he's been serving here for 10 years on staff. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you, Vince, and I'm looking forward to, where are you? Is he that side? Can't see, I can't see the saints. Um, how cool is this rain? I mean, just amazing. I think I'm going to start saying that the drought has, is breaking, has broken. Are we allowed to say that? It's certainly rainy and wet every couple of days. I'm claiming it. Let's go. I'm claiming it. I'm going to say, this is it. New season. <laughs> um, I um, uh, have started a new series today, and I'm going to share parts of it in the morning and parts of it in the evening. I want to thank you for your bravery for coming out in what is genuinely soup weather. I think this is soup weather. Okay, is that, can you say amen to that? And maybe, maybe soup and uh, grilled cheese, toasted grilled cheese. So I just want to really annoy you uh, by sharing this, but uh, you know, I've, I've developed this lockdown hobby that included growing my own fruits and vegetables and I now have so many tomatoes ripening at the same time that I turned it into tomato soup yesterday but there wasn't enough to bring to all of you so the, the truly hungry saints can come get tomato soup sometime but um, I think that's what, I'll, that's what I'll have after but thank you for coming even in the rain um, and uh, it's been a wonderful day in church uh, so far the series is titled Eden. And the, the idea, the objective of the series is to try and get a sense of why God put us on this planet. And some people, even Christians, think it's a test. Like we're on this planet like you are in a sort of on a, on a Warcraft computer game. Like, will you survive? You know, some people think that's why God put us on the planet. Oh, there's a, there's a thing happening on the screen. Very cool. Some people think we're put on this planet uh, to discover God or to discover ourselves. And all of those reasons have some element of, of biblical truth to them. But I, I really want to push home over this next three or four weeks the idea that God put us on the planet with a plan. And that plan is a prosperous, blessed, favoured, wonderful plan. And I, I want to set the tone for that publicly because when you listen to the world around you, so let's give that a name, the spirit of this world, then everything looks like it's going downhill. And yet the Bible is encouraging us that God has a plan that takes us upward. And how are we going to deal with the tension that those two conflicting presentations make? So tonight I want to talk to you about whether you've ever been scammed. Have you ever been scammed? Now, the, the level of laughter is telling me whether you've been scammed. Some of you may have been, had, had been the victim of a love scam. Um, 
I noticed on our Facebook page recently a couple of love scammers are commenting. So, oh, did you not know that I have to block them because I get notifications? Like, there'll be like a single lady commenting and then like Captain so-and-so of the US Navy is commenting, your profile look pretty to me, like bad English, like I just want to know you more. I mean, it's just like standard aid stuff. And then, and then please message me. I want, I want us to be friends. And I'm like, I just comment back, like this is a love scam. Repent, you know. Uh, the hell is coming for you. Block, report, block, block. Um, some people fall for love scams. Many years ago, I was the victim of a pickpocket. And I was sitting at a restaurant and it's so classic that I can't believe I was so stupid. Uh, 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 there was a, a little commotion of one or two people walking behind me and a little shove. Oh, and I, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And then as they left, I was like, ah, gone. And the shove wasn't so painful. It's what they stole during the shove that was painful. And sometimes you go through things in life and they shove you around. But be careful that the shove isn't just a cover to steal something more valuable than the pain of the shove. So you have to be careful of that. See, somebody could break up with you and, and that would be painful. But if they also stole your sense of value when they broke up with you, that's the real theft. And you have to have the wisdom to know, I can be shoved, but I don't have to be the victim of, of a, a theft. And I, I wanted to talk to you a little about that because in our journey towards figuring out what Eden, our Eden is and why God created a garden called Eden in Genesis. And by the way, you'll see tonight, the Bible starts with the Garden of Eden. The last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22 ends with the Garden of Eden restored. So, oh, this is good rain. I am... Um, and now I'm feeling sorry for my dogs that are outside for some reason. They'll be fine, they'll be fine. They will punish me. They will dig up all the tomato plants. That will be the last of the tomatoes for the year because they punish me when I leave them outside. But Eden started out well. It went wrong, but in Revelation 22, it's restored. And I wanted to start this conversation, this Eden series conversation, by letting you know that whatever goes through twists and turns, falters or fails, that God has a way of restoring and renewing again. And in the economy of the world, when something is damaged and repaired, you and I think it'll never be as good as it was. But in the economy of the Spirit, when God repairs something, it's better than it was. Because now it's wiser than it was. It's stronger than it was. It's more discerning than it was. And you can't be scammed again like perhaps you could the first time round. Can you say amen to that? You'll have to amen loudly over the... We also know that our venue leaks in a few places. So if you get baptized, I want you to know that the Lord chose you tonight to baptize you. There is a story, um, I've titled my message tonight, Shake It Off, Shake It Off. There is a story in the book of Acts, a little testimony of what happens to the disciples that I want to share with you. 
over our time together. And, and I, I reckon I've got about 15 minutes to share this with you. And you're not really going anywhere anyway, because in this rain, it would mess your hair. So we might as well stay, no? Might as well stay until soup time tomorrow. Shake it off. Acts chapter 28, verse 5. It's, it's the story of Peter taking a journey on a ship and it's the famous story of the ship getting shipwrecked and they land on an island. And I want to pick up verse five. It says this, but uh, Paul, I beg your pardon, shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effect. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds. They said they thought he was a god. And there was an estate nearby uh, that belonged to the chief official of the whole island. Uh, he welcomed us to his home. He showed us generosity and hospitality for three days. And his father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him after praying, placed his hands on him and healed him. And then when this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were also cured. They honored us in many ways. And we were ready to sail. They furnished us with all the supplies we needed. It's quite an incredible story. It seems a bit random, like the snake bite in the middle of the story in the Bible. But if you know the Bible well, you'll know the snake sticks its head out now and then all over the Scriptures. From the Garden of Eden all the way through to Moses in the wilderness, through to the apostles, through to the book of Romans, where, where God, Paul tells us that the serpent will aim for our heels, but we as believers will crush his head underneath our feet. That story starts in Genesis and trails its way all the way through. By the way, just for free information, they landed on an island called Malta, and the people on the island speak Greek. Now that's not the whole thing. The, me the meaning of the word Malta is, is, is honey. They landed on an island of honey. You know how amazing that correlates with the story in the Bible of traveling towards a place filled with milk and honey. There's this repetition in Scripture that reinforces God's plan to make things sweet again. Can you say amen to that? God, God wants to make things uh, sweet again. I, I suppose that definition is just there to brag about like Greek words. Um, lear, learn as many Greek words as you can because I think you'll need them um, in heaven. So, so, <laughs> so I want to talk to you today about how sharp or smart uh, discerning you would be if the snake bit you. Uh, this idea that we've perhaps been scammed by Satan, the slippery serpent. You know, in Genesis uh, chapter two, uh, uh, the Lord God created Eden and he placed man in the garden. And I think there is a misunderstanding often about this. God didn't say to Adam and Eve, take care of the whole world, just take care of Eden, a part of it. And you know, I want to start off tonight about this idea of being scammed by the, Satan the serpent to, to encourage you, you don't have to worry about how the whole world is working out. You just have to worry about that part of the world that God has put you in. The thing you're responsible and the thing God has given you accountability for, that's your place 
of prosperity and promotion and blessing and provision. Things can go bad elsewhere, but in my heart and on my sphere and on my watch, I believe in the fullness of the blessing of God in my life. Can you say amen to that? So I'm going to fast forward for the sake of time to um, uh, this idea that, that the serpent keeps biting and you and I need to shake it off. And I specifically want to talk to you, something I started out this morning. I don't know if you know, but this morning I said, I think it's time for us as believers to pick a fight. And then just after I did that, like the power went off in the area, in the middle of the sermon. I'm like, ah, it's, it's, that's just like funny coincidence. Like it's not like the, I don't know, if, I don't think the devil was in the DB, but it was funny coincidence in the sense that I, I think um, we, we have to step up to speak with a louder voice about what we believe for the future. Because if we don't, I think the spirit of this world is going to swamp us with the stories of, of secular sadness and break your spirit. And I don't, I, I, don't, I don't want that for you. And you know, when the serpent came and said to, to uh, Eve, uh, uh, what, what, what did God say? And Eve recounted what God said. We may eat of all of the trees except this one. Uh, if we do, we will die. And the serpent said, did God really say you will die? Surely you won't die. And then she took some of the apple, ate it, and it seemed pleasing to her. The Bible says looked good and it felt good. Took it to her husband. Uh, Adam also ate free will. Free will, even though maybe he was in love with her and he would have eaten any meal she prepared. Um, free will, but the moment that happened, destruction entered into a perfect place. And I, just, I want you to know that the devil still stings. And you've, you and I, are, we, we are just like Adam and Eve. We get scammed by Satan now and then. And you've got to learn to shake it off. And you've got to learn to step away from it. So uh, today, I, I want us all on the same page, morning service and evening service, all on the same page, on recognizing the lies that the devil is trying to trick us with. So uh, I'm going to focus on three of them. So I have a confession to make before I, I do these three. If you were here in the morning, you must amen loudly because they're the same lies, but with an evening service twist. So can I have an amen from the morning? Thank you. Secondly, um, I fell down a few rabbit holes on YouTube while preparing for this. So can I just acknowledge that? And there's a reason why I'm telling you this. Um, I, I think the world is lying to us, the spirit of this world. Speak, you know, the world, it sounds like it's a person, but the spirit of this world is lying to us. And I think we're believing it. And what I mean by that is when, when you have been around uh, long enough, you start wondering what's really true? Like what's, re like, what's really true? Like, am I supposed to only eat meat like Jordan Peterson? Or must I become like vegan like that, that lady who eats five kgs of vegetables every day? No, it really, literally like five kgs, like, and, but looks like a rake. Like, she, she's, like, she's on YouTube and she's like, here's what I'm having for breakfast, this whole watermelon, five pawpaws, six mangoes. I'm like... 
And then her whole YouTube video is like these fruits on a table. I actually would like a long-form video of her actually eating the vegetables with the fruits with a clock. Because I, I don't believe it. Is bottled water good for you or bad for you? Is it just spring water? Is it tap water that's been filtered? Is it the same? Now there's special water for dogs. I'm not even joking, 60 Minutes Australia did it, special water with flowers from like a ravine in the felt and then it calms your dog. It's only $19, but it's special. And then, and then in the description they said, is your dog aggressive? Is your dog sleepy? Is your dog hungry? Is your dog furry? It needs this water. Like the description of a dog was put on that bottle and the humans are buying the water and giving it to their dogs. Like, then I watched this video, like this guy had six different bottles of water, special types of spring water and they're testing it like wine. You know, this one has like notes of nonsense, I think is what they have. It's notes of nonsense. I think we just have to acknowledge we are going down like a path now where actually I don't know anymore if I'm going to believe what you buy what you're selling anymore. Like I don't know, I don't know anymore. I tell the story in the morning service too about American cheese. I know we have some American guys in our church. American cheese. Decades ago, the farmers produced too much milk. They didn't want to waste it, so they turned it into cheese. The cheese looked a bit too yellow, so nobody wanted to buy it, so they stored the cheese. And they thought, what should we, because, you know, cheese can mature. What should we do? So they paid a university institution to write a report, and the report said, there's special enzymes in this cheese that's very good for your gut health. Then they sold the cheese, chop, chop, gone. I'm just wondering, are, are are they selling cheese to us? Just lies about stuff to keep us, here's the reason why I think, to lower your expectation of what you think your life could be. Just lower your expectation by telling you things are bad out there. If you drink this water, you're going to lose five years on your life. But if you drink that water, you'll add seven. Like, I mean, I just love how people are adding and subtracting years to their lives. My biological age is 52, but my real age is like 37 because I did sit-ups this morning. Like, can we, can we just pause for a moment and go, I think the snake is still biting and convincing us of different things. John 10, 10 says the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life, not just ordinary life, but life in all its fullness. So tonight, today, next week I'll do it, from next week I'll do a different morning and evening, but because I had the power interruption and I do, I just want to go on record and get us all on the same page for week one. I want to talk to you about three lies that are, are I think are stealing from you full life. Because Eden is about a perfect place God created so a perfect place God created for us and the journey of restoring us back to that place uh, in a perfect relationship with Him, with one another and with the earth and with heaven. Um, it, things were good until the snake spoke. You know, Adam and Eve were operating like a unit, like a team. And then what happens? Uh, God says, Adam, what have you done? And Adam said, it's not my fault, it's Eve's fault. 
It's women's fault. Like blaming already, like straight away. I, I jokingly said in the first service, it's so disappointing, you know. Adam named all the living creatures on the earth and when he saw her, he said cheesily, whoa, man, and called her woman. And then from there, one chapter later, this woman, she tricked me. Adam's like, Adam, you ate that apple pie all by yourself with your very own mouth, hands, feet. Um, Things broke down when we listened to the spirit of this world. So, so here are a couple of lies I'd like to confront. And I said to you earlier, uh, we're probably, I'm probably picking a fight uh, I, on a few things, but I think we need to get a little more active and pick some fights. The first lie I want to talk to you about is the lie of scarcity. Do you know, whenever you listen to the spirit of this world, everything's running out. There's not enough water, there's not enough land, there's not enough air, there's not enough anything. And you start to get anxiety that maybe you're the generation where things will run out. I just want to tell you, biblically, God made the earth for man's responsibility and enjoyment. I don't get my water just from the tap or from my new borehole. I get my water because my heavenly father takes care of me and he sufficiently, adequately and even abundantly supplies all of our needs. And I'm not going to fall for the lie of scarcity in a world I believe God created with abundance. Now, I know, now, I know, I know that, you know, if you're an environmentalist, I told you I was picking fast. This morning, I read a verse in the Bible about kill and eat all these different animals on a sheet in the book of Acts. Like, there the vegans were emailing me. Like, I just, I just want to encourage you, though, in the midst of the picking of the fight, um, it just let us not be deceived. I don't think that things are as fallen apart as the world wants us to think. I think that's a tool of control to keep you under fear and to constantly remind you, don't expect too much, things are looking bad. But the Bible tells me God has abundantly supplied. And if I will put my trust in Him, I don't believe I will live in a spirit of scarcity. Can you say amen to that? Second Corinthians chapter 9 is my verse for that. I strongly recommend, I made a joke this morning, I got into even like extra emails, uh, but nice emails. I just say that as a joke. Uh, not too many people email me, the same two people email me. Um, but Second Corinthians 9, I jokingly said this morning, you must like highlight it and then realize nobody highlights anymore. Then I said copy paste, but not too many people do that. So maybe you should just get this as a tattoo. That seems to be the best way to develop memory verse and there I'm irritating the anti-tattoo people. Okay, 2 Corinthians 9 uh, um, says this, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and in all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. I mean, that, that covers seasons, situations, age groups, that covers everything. Note the reason for the abundance so we can do God's work. 
I can do God's work because I'm fully supplied. I can pray for someone when I need it because I've got a prayer in my hand. I can give food to someone who's hungry because I've got a resource in my pocket. I can give encouragement to somebody because I've got a river of living water welling up inside of me. I can strategize for shelter to every person who needs shelter because God has given me wisdom and opportunity, favor and blessing, and there is a strategy for it. God is an abundant provider. I rebuke the spirit of scarcity that is being pronounced over this generation as though something dramatic is going to happen. I rebuke that. I don't believe that's true. I think we're being lied to. Now I know, you know, there's load shedding, you know, the taps and the thing. I don't think that's because God isn't providing. That's because I think we're not managing what God's providing well. I'll tell the story. I'm watching the time. I've got two more I want to get to. I'll tell the story because I'm Greek. Cypriot. Come from a little, my family comes from a little island called Cyprus. One third of it is, is occupied by Turkey. And the two thirds at the bottom are still Greek speakers. They don't like each other. So never invite me for Turkish delights. Like it's like, it's very offensive to my people. And we, it's still sensitive and we're not over it. We call it Greek delights. And don't ever say that it's like, oh, that looks like Turkish coffee. It's not Turkish coffee. It's, it's Greek coffee. And that's just how we feel about it. And you can't be my friend if you don't say that. So, but here's the thing. They have a fight. And then the Turkish people don't want to drink the water from the Greek people. And the Greek people don't want to give the water to the Turkish people. One island, eh? The size of KZN, 1.2 million population, size of PE, fighting on a desert island, basically, no water. Do you know what the Turkish guys did? They said, no problem. They put a freshwater pipeline from mainland Turkey under saltwater Mediterranean, thousands of kilometers across the ocean and popped it up on the island and they had their own water. They did that 50 years ago. Are you telling me we can't get it from like... Mpumalanga to like, can we not, there where it's very wet, can we not get it from there to, yeah. And that was 50 years ago. Now we've got machines that like crawl underground like moles and what, what. I don't know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm believing. I don't know if I'm believing. Like on one YouTube video, there's no water anywhere. And then on another one, they're flooding. Then on another one, they're digging holes a kilometer a minute with this diamond blade thing. Then on the other one, we can't dig holes anymore. I don't know. And you know what's really worrying me about that? While the Christian world is anxious and fearful, the often Arab Muslim world, they're building islands in the ocean and they're building the tallest building and the deepest uh, uh, oceanarium and they've got no fear. They're like, oh, we've got money, we're going to spend it, we're going to enjoy our lives. And the rest of us are like, do I eat vegetables or am I allowed to eat lamb? Like, can we snap out of... That is a spirit. And they're going to make the biggest everything and we're still like agonizing over a whether a tomato is a fruit or a vegetable. You've got to snap. Ah, uh, It's a fruit. In case you were wondering, let me clarify that. But there's a very nice saying about the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is that you know it's a fruit. Wisdom is that you know it doesn't go into a fruit salad. But I, I think we freaked out and then the rest of the people are not agonizing. And I put a borehole at my house. I said to the guy who did the borehole, 
they, we found very good water. Like within 35 meters, they found water. Then they tested it a month later and they were like, it's basically drinkable as it is. And the little Greek side inside of me thought, I could bottle this and sell it as holy water. <laughs> Surely, like if there's water for pets right now, like we could have holy water coming straight out the mountain. Kegani. <laughs> It was a loud laugh. Uh, I'm not going to do that, obviously, uh, um, immediately. But, but <clears throat> then I said to the guy who did the ball, like, aren't there too many balls? They said, no, we've made, there's over 800 and there's been no difference to the water table. I think we're still good to go. I was like, ah, oh, interesting. I posted, I got a ball. Then somebody DM'd me, how dare you? How dare you take the water that is intended for the humans to survive? You're sucking it out the ground under our feet and you're going to water your plants and make a pool. When I saw that message, I thought the pool should be bigger. <laughs> because the people, the people, you know, <laughs> snap out of it. It's the spirit of this world teaching you to live with scarcity. Snap out of it. I think it's control, it's economic, political, fearful control. They're doing it on everything, whether it's in medicine or in economy or in currency or, you know, when my generation, when I was your age, five years ago, when I was your age, it was the ozone. We're all going to get fried as you walk out your house. Zip! There's coming lightning. Haven't heard about the ozone in 10 years. That's all I heard, ozone, ozone. We didn't know, now you go get ozone treatment. Like I thought that was bad for you, but no, now we can drink it. It's a bad thing. I'm just worried that that spirit is an unsound, unbiblical spirit. Now, that, does that mean we must be irresponsible stewards of the earth? No, of course not. But I'm also not gonna live in fear of something God gave me to have a blessed, abundant life, to enjoy, to, 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 to raise, to take care of. Do you know it was Adam's job to name the animals? Not God's. Because God didn't want to treat Adam like a little boy. He wanted to see if Adam could become a man. Hey Adam, call it something. Give it a duty. Understand its place. I won't do that. You can do it. I think sometimes we're like, oh Lord, you do it all, and God's going, you got this. The second lie, was, it's not even raining right now, we're so serious. Like, the Lord was like, just pause that, the people need to hear this. Um, the second lie is, and Satan, the serpent did that in the Garden of Eden. Did God say, you mustn't eat? Well, God said, I must eat anything I want except that tree. And even in paradise, the devil was able to convince Adam and Eve that they lacked something. They just needed one more thing, that apple. They had everything. So not enough. You just need one more thing. It's a lie. The second is identity. You know, the devil wants to take your identity. Adam and Eve were comfortable children of God and then one day after sinning, after the serpents uh, whispering, they were self-conscious. They were upset with each other and they were embarrassed in front of God. Just like that. And now we're in an identity war in the world. The spirit of this world. Men are too scared to be men because they're toxic. 
women are the way to go, so even the men want to be. I told you I was picking a fight. I told you I went in easy at the beginning. Well, didn't I? I'll tell you what I mean by that is, um, you know, if you don't know who you are, how will you know what you are to become? If the devil can keep you occupied trying to figure out your starting point, he'll delay you from ever reaching your finish line. Oh man, I, that's not good. And I, don't, I don't even want to go down this road of like boy and girl and all that. We, we can have that, like we should maybe have like a Friday night debate or something and then people could just ask questions and I'll try and answer them and you know, see where it takes us. But biblically speaking, the identity you must not lose is a child of God. Yeah. Now we can have the other discussions, I think it'd be interesting. But the identity you must not lose is a child of God in right relationship with Him, having accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That settles a thing. And then and then you should feel free. Consequently, Ephesians says, you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household you're in you know the spirit of this world keeps shaking you on that like am I am I okay with God am I not okay with God I just want to give you this confidence that's a bite from the snake shake it off don't let the poison in don't let the poison of scarcity and don't let the poison into your identity um, ruin uh, your journey and then lastly, uh, for tonight, the law of morality. Do you know the, the apple was the knowledge of good or evil? What that basically means, like how is that a bad thing? What that basically means is Adam and Eve were saying, I'd like to decide for myself whether something is good or evil. And you know that law still exists? Don't tell us that something is absolute. Just let us decide for ourselves whether something is good or bad. I had a conversation with a friend the other day. They really believe in, uh, what's the word in um, uh, the term? What's the term when you want to marry many people? Polygamy. That came too easily to some of you, <laughs> that term. They were like, I believe in polygamy. David in the Bible had 300 wives. Solomon had 300 wives. Jacob Zuma had 30. Was that too soon? Um, why not? And it was always, it's fascinating to me that a single guy has such strong opinions about marrying many people. Maybe you just have a go and marry one and it's just, see if she'll have you first as a husband and then we can discuss if you're shareable. Like you must really have supreme qualities to be shareable. But, but here's the thing. I, I said, well, you know, it's, that's not really a biblical thing. It's an old, you know, the, in the Old Testament, they married a wife and then they had concubines, which is like slaves. We don't really want to do that. I think that conversation will go down very badly with your second wife. And they were like, yeah, I don't appreciate you telling me what's good for me. I know what's good for me. No, you don't. We're not good at that. We're not good at knowing what's good for us because we're still growing. What we thought was good for us turns out terrible idea. We need something eternal, immovable, foundational, 
unshakable that settles it, that we build our lives on. And it doesn't matter whether we're 30 or 50 or 120, still there, still solid, still true, still the same yesterday, today and forever. Don't fall for the lie that we're smart enough to figure it out in such a way that it does no harm in our future if we take a decision in our present. We need something bigger than that. Can you say amen? Last verse, and then we can go for that great coffee afterwards. 1 Corinthians 15.33, this time from the message. Although it's a pretty famous verse. The idea of the resurrection in this terminology, just so you know, the author is reminding people, uh, Paul is reminding people, that remember you're gonna get resurrected and, and give an account for your life one day. So when you see that term resurrection, it's about living in a way that you'd be proud to report back to God. So with that in mind, if there's no resurrection, then why don't we just eat, drink, and the next day we might die? That's a philosophy. And that's all there is to it. But don't fool yourselves. Don't let yourselves be poisoned by this anti-resurrection loose talk. Bad company ruins good character. No, it's, this verse is saying it's, fool, it's foolish talk and thinking to think, I'll just eat and live and drink and maybe I'll die. So what? So what if I die? I'll, I'll, I'll live the way I want, the way it suited me, and then one day I'll just die. God's reminding us in Scripture, you know what? No, things have consequences in this life and in the next life. I wanted to end this message by encouraging you, let's shake the serpent out of our story and let's invite the Spirit to set the standard. Can you say amen to that? Would you please stand with me as we pray? So the goal of the prayer tonight is to be persuaded that we will not be scammed um, by the serpent. Hey, by the way, as I see people go, I always promise the young adults, I beg your pardon, the youth, that I'll remind you that you can buy pancakes there in support of their um, plans for um, camp and leadership and all kinds of stuff. So, so please come prepared for that and also a cup of coffee. But I, I really want for you to shake loose uh, the serpent from your story. And then over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about defining what the Eden of our world is, what God's called you to do and to be. And I'd enjoy that. So let's pray. Lord, thank you that your word reminds us that you're an abundant God and that you create abundance for us. We reject the spirit of this world, a spirit that speaks scarcity and insufficiency over our lives. We reject it on the basis that you have said in your scriptures that you will abundantly provide in every season and in every way. Lord, we also thank you for our identity as children of God. We reject any spirit that steals from us our sense of worth as children of God, that diminishes our place and our purpose. We refuse to listen to the voices of the enemy that suggests one bump has caused us to lose all our value. That even in our failures and our faults, we come back home 
and the ring of a, a, a sonship is placed back on our finger and the robe of identity is restored to us. And finally, Lord, we thank You for the power of knowing You and living and journeying with You. We renounce the work of the serpent speaking into our lives and occupying space. We invite the Holy Spirit instead to speak with authority into our lives. We pray, Lord, that You'll teach us sound spiritual morality, that You know what's best and we'll put our trust in You. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, could you be louder than the rain in giving thanks? Oh yeah, there you go. You did it. Hey, there are people up front to pray for you. Communion on either side of the stage. Prayer request cards, but mostly an opportunity to connect over a cup of coffee. Please stick around.